What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. It is Friday, August 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton, back from a much-needed vacation and here with our producer and co-host, Nick Janusa. Nick, what's going on? Matty, not too much, my dude. I got a vacation myself coming up pretty soon, but how is yours, my dude? Oh, my God. Uh, got to relax. Got to spend some time just reading on the beach. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just like I didn't do much, and it felt so nice to just disconnect for a little bit. You know, time away from the show is uh, it's not my favorite. I, I really enjoy doing this, but... I, I needed a couple a couple few days off, so this was good for me. That is vacation, though, at its core. You just don't do anything, but it's amazing. And then, yeah, you texted me, like, I think it was, like, Tuesday. I was like, uh, how's, how's vacation, Maddie? And you were like, it's good. I'm about 150 pages into <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was like, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading Kenobi by uh, John Jackson Miller. And, uh, yeah, that was my vacation update. <laughs> Two days into vacation, I'm 150 pages through this book. I'm a slow reader as well, so this was like, this was me making moves. <laughs> All right, speaking of making moves, let's move right into today's show. Today, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way, Monday and Friday. All right, time for our quick hits this week. And the first one is by Emily Cochran, Jim Tankersley, and Lisa Friedman of the New York Times. They write, Mansion in reversal, agrees to quick action on climate and tax plan. Look, you got to think that Joe Manchin avid listener of the planet today heard our July 22nd episode and was like, you know what? I changed my mind. <laughs> uh, also, he said he was ostracized and victimized after killing the Build Back Better bill on a radio show. Um, he called Build Back Better a bad bill and said that this new bill will actually reduce inflation while also solving some climate and budgetary issues. So, um, yeah, ostracizing and victimizing. We may have done a little bit of that. Yep, we could have definitely contributed to that. <laughs> Hand up. I straight up said I don't like him. Um, I'm not ready to revoke that yet. We'll see. We'll see where this all goes. All right, moving on to the climate provisions of this bill. So $369 billion for climate and energy proposals is the most ambitious climate action ever taken by Congress and immediately would put the United States back as a world leader in climate action. Manchin agreeing to this doesn't guarantee that the bill will move forward since now it has to receive unanimous Democratic support in the Senate and pass in the House. House is looking good. Senate, we are looking at you, Kirsten Cinema. Yeah, and the authors write that one possible clue to Mr. Manchin's change of heart came in a line of his joint announcement with Mr. Schumer that they had secured a commitment from both Mr. Biden and Speaker Nancy Pelosi that Congress would approve a separate measure to address the permitting of energy infrastructure, potentially including natural gas pipelines, before the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's compromise. You know, a new natural gas pipeline is a little disappointing, but if that's what it takes to pass meaningful climate provisions, I guess so be it. Yeah, exactly. And Senator Schumer said that this would reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030. The bill focuses investments into disadvantaged communities so that they can be a part of the clean energy transition. It also supports resilient rural communities by investing in farmers and forest land owners to be part of growing climate solutions and by ensuring rural communities are able to better adapt to a rapidly changing climate. Yeah, so I mean, look, a new natural gas pipeline, I'm not thrilled about it, but we're still going to reduce carbon emissions by 40% in the next eight years. So this is good. This is good all around if this passes. You know, I would love if it was 42% without that one gas pipeline, but you know, it is, it is what it is, I guess. I'm really thrilled with the environmental justice provisions in this bill and the fact that these communities that have so often been left out of the clean energy transition, whether it's because of uh, limited access or limited affordability to solar and wind energy and, you know, all of those anti-carbon energies. Yeah. This is good to get people involved. Yeah, definitely. And when you sent me the article that said Manchin changed his mind, I was genuinely shocked. I was like, there's no way. Like, I, We had that episode last week and I was like, yeah, he's he's made his mind up. He's going to he's going to vote the other way. But gosh, he surprised us and he definitely heard the footsteps. What are you going to do? Yeah, I was actually listening to um, Pod Save America today of, of uh, Crooked Media and Tommy Vitor brought up how Joe Manchin said that he, he like doesn't like to change his mind because he was mad at environmentalists. Like we just, we bullied him. So, <laughs> you know, if you get someone who's super stubborn and doesn't like to change his mind, if you're mean to him and then he still changes his mind, I don't know, maybe this is a pretty good bill. So <laughs> I'm happy with it. Let's hope it passes and then gets sent over to, uh, to the house and then eventually to uh, president Biden. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's get into our next one, and it is titled, All-in-One Solar Tower Produces Jet Fuel from CO2, Water, and Sunlight, by Laws Blaine of New Atlas. This solar tower works by taking CO2, water, and sunlight as its only inputs, and then converts those into a carbon-neutral, sustainable version of diesel or jet fuel. The tower was built and tested by researchers at ETH Zurich, and it's actually operating in Spain. So the article points out that fossil fuels can be replaced with hydrogen or batteries in cars and trucks, but it's less easy to do that with aircrafts. Airlines have begun looking for carbon neutral fuels known as sustainable aviation fuel or SAF to bring down their emissions until clean aviation tech is available. The downside here is that CO2 will still end up in the atmosphere by burning this fuel in an aircraft. The good news is that the CO2 came from somewhere else first and was used to limit conventional fuel through flight. SAF is currently made through sources including biofuels, biomass, and landfill waste jet fuel. Biofuels have their own emissions from fertilizers and farm equipment and require land and water that could go towards producing food. Biomass can include chopping down forests and using the wood for fuels. Landfill waste to jet fuel means taking municipal garbage or cooking oil, then using a lot of energy to create synthetic fuels. So those all kind of have their downsides. And what this tower is doing differently is actually capturing carbon emissions from other sources, then converting those emissions into fuel. So it's essentially recycling the carbon that would otherwise just go straight to the atmosphere. 
So again, those emissions are still going to end up in the atmosphere, but you're basically just extending the life cycle. So think of this as you're out, you forgot your reusable water bottle at home, you are thirsty. So you buy some sort of bottle, no free ads, you know, Aquafina, any sort of bottle. Yeah. (laughs) So you buy one of those, right? You finish it and you can either recycle it or you can keep refilling it until you're like, you know what, this has gotten its use and then I'm going to recycle it. This is what this is doing. Essentially, you're still going to contribute to that cycle that you don't want to contribute to, but you're making it less bad and you're extending the life cycle of those initial emissions. So this tower runs on solar thermal energy to heat water and carbon dioxide to create hydrogen and carbon monoxide. This is then transferred to a chamber at the bottom of the tower, which is where that jet fuel gets produced. The research into this tower doesn't really explain how much fuel it produces, but the study says that this is not the answer necessarily and is just meant to provide a path forward for fuel production. Yeah, so this is one of those things where it's like, this is cool, this could be doing some serious help that we need, or you know, maybe it's just doing a little bit of work and it's not something to look forward to. So again, this provides a path forward, like Nick just said, this isn't going to be this technological silver bullet that solves the climate crisis. But if this means that more sustainable jet fuel can get produced in the short term until we can get that clean aviation tech, that's good. So, yeah, this is uh, this is good, but this is definitely transitional. Yeah. And like it's what we always say on the show. Every little bit helps. Like there's there's not going to be one thing that solves climate change. So, yeah, this might not help us tremendously. But it's at least, like you said, extending that life. And anytime we can do that, whether it's recycling or through fuel, whatever it is, it's going to help us. So, yeah. And we can't let good and great be enemies. Great would be, you know, carbon free airplanes. We're not there yet. So if if we can do this, which is good, which is reducing carbon emissions through airfare, you know, this is a good thing. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's good. And we can't have it be a situation where it's like, hey, why are we focusing our attention on this when we can focus our attention on clean air tech? Well, we can do both, and this can help us reduce our emissions until we are ready for clean aviation, because who knows when that's going to be ready? Yeah. Probably someone very smart and much smarter than the two of us, so uh, if you are that person and can tell us about clean aviation tech, send us an email. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. Wow. Our next story is from the BBC, where Jonathan Amos writes, Ancient fossil is earliest known animal predator. All right, quick, cool story for you. A 560 million year old fossil was found in the Charnwood Forest in Leicestershire and was named Aurora Lumina Attenbury after Sir David Attenborough. The first part of the name represents Dawn Lantern in Latin. And if anyone out there speaks Latin, you're probably upset with my pronunciation there. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This species actually kind of looks like the Olympic torch, according to Oxford's Dr. Frankie Dunn. And that's why they threw the Dawn Lantern prefix in the name. Um, The fossil is thought to be a Cnidaria, which is the group of species that includes modern day jellyfish, corals and anemones. The discovery is probably the first example of an organism with a true skeleton. It also pushes back evidence for animals acting as predators by about 20 million years. 
It's taken 15 years for researchers to make sense of the fossil's position after discovering it in 2007. It was found surrounded by stones that made it seem like it was covered by a flow of sediment and ash from an ancient volcano. The fossil is incomplete as of now, but paleontologists from all over the world visit the Charnwood Forest where it was found. So hopefully on a future trip, the rest of that skeleton can get uncovered. Yeah, this is a cool one. I mean, imagine like being, I always think about like the guys who are just the men and women who are just straight up like finding fossils. Yeah. Who are just finding fossils and like trying to decipher when it was like dating it. Yeah. That are like dating it. How hard must that be to be like, oh, this is from the Mesozoic era. Like, who is who is that person? I just give them so much credit. I could never just sit at a table and be like, I don't know when this is from. Let's see where it's. It's so cool the way carbon dating works. And you just take in all of that context of like, all right, this is how old these bones appear doing these carbon dating technologies. And then, okay, we can also look at all the rock and sediment around it to try to find an age. And, you know, pulling in all of that information it's so cool. Like being a paleontologist has got to be such a cool job. Like everyone grows up liking dinosaurs. They, they actually get to do something about that and be like, yeah. And it's not just dinosaurs. You know, a lot of paleontologists will also work on mammal fossils and like reptile and bird fossils. So, you know, we say dinosaurs, but it's all prehistoric animals, which is so, so cool. And, you know, gives us a reason to chat about it on this show. Yeah, absolutely. And and further points for naming it after David Attenborough. How about that? Yeah. So it's actually named after him because he grew up in the English Midlands and obviously has a huge influence on wildlife conservation and the natural world as a whole. Um, he said he was an ardent fossil hunter in his time <laughs> it, at school in Leicester. There was once a boy in his school who had a fossil named after him by proving experts wrong with one of his discoveries. And Attenborough says that he has now almost caught up with him and is, quote, truly delighted. <laughs> I can hear him saying those words and it just brings a big smile to my face. I love it. He's just he's the best. <laughs> he is the, he's absolute the most best. wholesome. He's the most wholesome individual on this planet. I love it. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Love that guy. Um, we are going to take a quick break and come back soon with two more quick hits. Today's episode of The Planet Today is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. To the planet today, folks. And next up, Biden launches plan to bring solar to low-income homes by Politico's Zach Coleman. 
All right, so last week, the Biden administration debuted a plan to generate solar energy in low-income communities, which would help address the inequality that has been a part of our clean energy transition so far. The executive action was announced after the original climate plans collapsed in the Senate and will connect participants in a federal program that subsidizes energy costs for low-income residents with developers of community solar projects. When we say community solar, that's basically going to lower monthly electric bills for local residents by generating solar and feeding it into the grid so everyone who buys into that program can benefit. Yeah, and the Biden administration projects that this could help develop 134 gigawatts of solar energy capacity across the country. Sheesh! As of today, the Energy Department says that the current capacity in the U.S. is 97.2 gigawatts. The Department of Energy estimates that participants in the five initial pilot project states and Washington, D.C. would save more than $1 billion per year. When this is expanded to the whole country, the savings from clean energy should help bridge the gap for areas of our country that have been unable to install as much solar. Coleman writes, expanding community solar is likely necessary to hit Biden's climate goals, which include achieving a net zero electric grid by 2035. It will enable people who rent their homes and have fewer ways to access solar panels or people without the means to finance such investments. The Biden administration is also attempting to reduce the risk to consumers in this executive action by vetting solar developers and making sure that the solar arrays are installed the right way and by the right groups. The administration is taking input for how to design its community solar subscription program. Colorado, Illinois, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, and the District of Columbia have all agreed to participate. These states have all passed laws guaranteeing community solar programs create savings for consumers. An official from the Biden administration added that this will take the risk out of participating in a community solar program for communities that are usually less able to afford a surprise bill. So look, this is great. You know, this is going to help those communities that we talked about. Forget when, but we had that episode where we discussed redlining and said that certain communities that were redlined as recently as 60 years ago are still impacted by worse air quality, higher emissions, like yeah. worse water quality. So to take one of those factors and say, look, power plants that are burning coal and natural gas are contributing to lower air quality in certain communities. Maybe we can start phasing those out quicker by getting solar on their roofs, giving them the power to power their homes without it impacting their lungs. So this is just, you know, an all around really good idea to get more people benefiting from something that we really all should be benefiting from. Yeah. I mean, this could be absolutely massive. Like we're talking about more than doubling our solar energy capacity across the country. Like that is huge. Yeah. Anytime you can get twice the amount of a clean energy anywhere, like this is this is good news. I've, I have no critiques here. <laughs> Let's get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Our last quick hit of the week is by Mario Alejandro Ariza and Miranda Green of The Guardian. They write, leaked U.S. power companies secretly spending millions to protect profits and fight clean energy. Look, I usually structure these episodes in a way where it's like, send people happily into their weekends. Let's feel optimistic. But today, today... We are opting for rage. Here's our new villain of the week. This article starts off by talking about Florida's Democratic state senator, Jose Javier Rodriguez, 
Jose Javier Rodriguez is not the villain we're talking about just to get that out of the way. So he proposed a law that would cut into Florida power and lights profits by letting landlords sell cheap rooftop solar to their tenants and bypassing the FPL's monopoly on electricity. So the FPL CEO, Eric Salagi, emailed two of his vice presidents shortly thereafter saying, quote, I want you to make his life a living hell. Seriously. (laughs) So one of those VPs forwarded this message to the CEO of Matrix LLC, which is a political consulting firm working in at least eight states right now. Matrix LLC is your villain. In the next election, Rodriguez was voted out of office. And Matrix employees spent a lot of money on advertisements for another candidate with the last name Rodriguez, who later admitted he was bribed to run. Hundreds of pages of internal documents have recently been uncovered because Matrix's founders are currently feuding. And these documents revealed that the firm worked with power companies like Florida Power and Light to fight the clean energy transition. The authors write, quote, Matrix Saga illustrates the political obstacles policymakers and experts face as they attempt to cut climate pollution from the power sector, one of the biggest greenhouse gas contributors in the United States. Matrix and Matrix-affiliated groups have worked in Florida, Arizona, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, and in front of the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Their influence spans from local mayoral and county commission elections to fighting attempts to amend state constitutions to make the states cleaner. Matrix even had a journalist in Jacksonville spied on after he wrote negatively about Florida Power and Light. And if that wasn't enough, Matrix purchased The Capitalist, a political news site based out of Tallahassee, Florida. They used this new platform to cover its own agenda through a positive lens. How about that? Big power companies operate as monopolies with captive customers in much of the United States Southeast. With loose regulations, there's really nothing to stop them from making large profits and spending those large profits on politicians who will make sure Matrix keeps making the most money. So far, there have been two criminal investigations into the campaign against Rodriguez and another Democratic state Senate candidate, leading to charges against five people though authorities have not accused Matrix or FPL of wrongdoing. Matrix has always kind of used immoral politic tricks in its messaging. In 1998, the firm distributed copies of a video in which a sex worker falsely alleged she had been sexually assaulted by a candidate for lieutenant and governor. The sex worker later testified that the allegations were untrue and that she had been paid by a Birmingham businessman to make them. In 2015, Matrix distributed flyers for a suspicious charity in a predominantly black neighborhood in North Birmingham. The flyers warned residents not to let the Environmental Protection Agency test their soil for the presence of contaminants left by a coal plant. This one kind of jumped out to me as like when you see businesses putting up anti-union flyers around the offices. You know, if you can't trust your own employers, or in this case, if you can't trust your own neighborhood, who can you trust? So that's why they started putting these flyers up. It's just to plant seeds of doubt. Yeah, and Matrix has even attacked Republicans who support common sense energy reform. So it's not even like they're only attacking the greenest of environmentalists. In 2013, Terry Dunn, a Republican electricity regulator at Alabama's Public Service Commission, made moves to hold formal hearings on how customers' energy bills were calculated something that hadn't happened in three decades. 
Customers at the time were paying some of the highest rates for electricity in the Southeast. Dunn was then attacked by right-wing media and online while Matrix-affiliated groups filed a motion to intervene in the proceedings. Meanwhile, groups aligned with the utility falsely tied Dunn to the Obama administration's efforts to reduce the use of coal. Dunn then later lost his bid for re-election by 19 points. So this is a longer article, and Nick and I just covered some of the stories about Matrix and Matrix-affiliated groups, but we wanted to make sure that our listeners are aware of stuff like this happening because you don't hear about this often, and you better, better be sure that this is not just happening with Matrix LLC. Like This is probably happening way more than we realize, and it sucks. Like It sucks that stuff like this can get bought. Yeah, it's, it's absurd, and like... This is something that I feel like probably at least three-fourths of the country is not aware of right now. Mm-hmm. And to have such, like, shady behavior, like, I mean, how many stories did we just say that were just, like, completely just criminal? I, I don't understand what their thinking is in thinking that it's not going to get leaked or that, like, yeah, people are not going to eventually come after you for doing for doing stuff like this, like... Yeah, I agreed. And, you know, this is why environmentalists feel like we're fighting the establishment because it's hard to fight for a better, healthier planet when we have ridiculously wealthy consulting groups like Matrix LLC running their own newspaper publications and paying to keep anti-environment politicians in office. This is exactly why we can't give up. And this is exactly why we need to work every day to make sure that people know about stories like this. So kudos to The Guardian and their team for writing about this one and to whoever is doing the research to get this story out there. Like, yeah, this is huge and this needs to get reported on and more stories like this need to get uncovered because you know there's more stories like this. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll leave you with one thing. Get your news from reputable publications and make sure your friends and your family are getting your news from reputable publications. Don't read Matrix LLC's The Capitalist. Listen to the planet today. Yeah. And also, like, mute them on Twitter if you can. Just just mute it on Apple News. Do all that. Just get them, get them out of your system. Yeah. If you don't see it, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. And the more people you can get... Muting capitalists, muting Matrix LLC, they get they have less pull at that point. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. All right, if you're fired up, good. <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to some Rise Against or some Rage Against the Machine and have an awesome, awesome weekend. That'll do it for today's episode of TPT. On Monday, we're going to be back with a bonus interview. Yes. So Matt spoke with Sustainably Maya about litter cleanups, sustainability, and how they stay optimistic when it comes to climate news. Until then, please go give the show a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Follow us on our socials at Planet Today Pod. Send us an email at planettodaypod at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Norton. Nick Janusa produces our show and makes all of our music that you hear throughout. Nick, where can people hear more from you? You can hear more from me at soundcloud.com slash Cape, and that is B-U-D-L-Y-N-C-A-P-E. Go check me out, y'all. Definitely go give it a listen. Our logo was made by Kaylee Veets. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we will catch you right here on Monday. Peace. Peace.